Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the United States of America, a flyover country, some might say, the part of the country I love. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. Delighted to have you. Now, I got to talk about uh, hardcore politics right now because there is some level of um, self-serving in the media and elsewhere on what is happening right now. And let me set the stage for you. Uh, there, There have been reports. In fact, I've got some audio I will play for you here in just a minute about Mitch McConnell and his view on the Senate. Let's let me let me roll the tape before I go any further. I want you to hear Mitch McConnell in his own words regarding the Senate. Care to share any of your projections on the midterm elections? Yeah, I think the, the, there's a, probably a greater likelihood to outslip than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Right now, we have a 50-50 Senate and a 50-50 country, but I think when all is said and done, it's all we're to have an extremely close Senate, either our side up slightly or their side up slightly. So, according to Mitch McConnell, it's about a 50-50 chance of the GOP. Most polling and prognosticators say it's actually worse for the GOP, that they are, the odds have gone down tr- pretty tremendously, uh, that the GOP will take the Senate. Um, right now, it's the Democrats have a 63% chance of keeping the Senate. And you do have to remember that when Tom Tillis was facing um, Joe Cunningham in North Carolina, that he never was ahead in the polls, and yet he won. Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, historically, the polls show him losing, and he wins. Statewide polling is very good. Polling in Florida is actually really terrible. I mentioned previously, and to give you a perspective of this, if you want a survey of a 1,000 likely voters in Florida, you have to call about 160,000 people to get a pool of 1,000 likely voters in Florida. Statewide polling is unpredictable. That's why you should rely on polling averages, but even the polling averages are not necessarily right. In Virginia, the polling average had Terry McAuliffe winning. In North Carolina, the um, the, the, the polling had Joe Cunningham winning. In Wisconsin, the polling average had um, Russ Feingold beating Ron Johnson their first time. Very famously, the polling averages had Hillary Clinton winning against Donald Trump. And in fairness, she did win the popular vote. But they were oversampling the coasts, not the swing states, the electoral college states that mattered. Also, you do have to keep this in mind that Democrats tend to have an easier in with members of the media. Democrats tend to have an easier time spinning the press. Democrats tend to have an easier time convincing 
the press of their way of seeing things. So Democrats have convinced members of the national press, for example, that J.D. Vance in Ohio is a terrible candidate who simply cannot win. J.D. Vance actually is going to win that race. Uh, The Democrats have likewise convinced the media that Blake Masters in Arizona is a terrible candidate and that Adam Laxalt is a terrible candidate. I thought it was very notable uh, that Cortez Masto, who is the Democratic senator from Nevada, decided to give NBC News nationally the first look at her ad attacking Adam Laxalt using the succession music and the look of succession, the HBO show. Very on, uh, very HBO, very very DC, New York corridor ad campaign. How many people in Nevada actually watch Succession, even know what that is? And yet it was leaked to the national NBC News Network, not to the uh, a Nevada News Network, because she's a creature of Washington, not Nevada. And, of course, the people in Washington, they love Succession. They watch that show. They eat it up. They love it. And so the narrative here is that these people can't win. The narrative here is that the Democrats are going to be dominant. The narrative here is that the Democrats are going to take the Senate. You do have to keep those things in mind. But what you also must keep in mind is that Mitch McConnell's private polling suggests the GOP is struggling. What I have seen in the last several days is a a surprising, I think, narrative from Republicans attacking Mitch McConnell for saying that. And all he's doing is saying what he thinks is reality. But there's a level of cult-like apologetics going after Mitch McConnell on this. See, my big criticism, and I've been a longtime critic of McConnell's. In fact, when I was at Fox News, his wife uh, tried to get Roger Ailes to take me off the air because I criticized him too much. I was backing Matt Bevan against him back in 2014. But the the criticism is that um, McConnell pays so much attention to the moderates in the Republican Party, that he shoves aside the conservative agenda, that there are things conservatives should be able to get out of a Republican-controlled Senate, and McConnell kills those things because he's afraid of upsetting the Lisa Murkowskis and the Susan Collinses of the world and the Rob Portmans and people like that. He he doesn't want to pick that fight, and so he sabotages the conservative agenda. Uh, He's great on judges, but on the actual legislating side of the conservative agenda, he's not very good. That has long been my criticism of McConnell, and that has been the criticism that all these other people have had about McConnell uh, because McConnell wants to be the majority leader. He does not want to be the minority leader. And lo and behold, McConnell has dared to criticize Trump candidates. And in criticizing Trump candidates, they are suggesting, well, he would prefer to stay minority leader than have a bunch of Trump candidates because you know those Trump candidates, they won't vote for him for majority leader. Does it matter? They don't have enough votes. They couldn't throw him out as majority leader if they wanted to. There will be no coup against McConnell. He has the backing of the majority of the Senate Republican conference. 
This is just clever apologetical thinking to avoid having to acknowledge that Donald Trump has, in fact, endorsed some clunkers of candidates in the Senate. But also, more importantly, what it does is it avoids dealing with what's actually going on. And what's actually going on is that the media itself, in, frankly, collaboration with the Democrats, are portraying a number of Republicans at the national stage as clunkers when they're not. And this has nothing to do with shaping the dynamic in those states. It has everything to do with shaping donor appeal at the national level for these candidates. What's happening nationally on the Republican side right now? Republican donors are not writing big checks because the Republican donors have embraced the idea that these people are clunker candidates because the national press has said so when they're not actually clunker candidates. They're actually really good candidates. Uh, J.D. Vance is the perfect example of this. Again, J.D. Vance, uh, the media feels betrayed by J.D. Vance because he used to be on the left. And he's not on the left anymore. J.D. Vance was a critic of Trump. Now the media say, well, he's just an opportunist. He's just, he doesn't really believe this. Maybe he truly has evolved. Maybe he has. But they're largely saying this because they don't like J.D. Vance. And they're trying to say he's not a good candidate. He took a vacation. He wasn't in state. Tim Ryan's awesome. Tim Ryan has wooed the national press for years. Remember, Tim Ryan was the guy much of the national press looked at as as the person who could rival Nancy Pelosi. He could be the next Democratic speaker. They were getting thigh sweats over Tim Ryan, this moderate Democrat from Ohio who could galvanize people. They love him. The national press corps loves Tim Ryan. And so they've tried to portray J.D. Vance as some sort of clunker candidate who's not very good. He's actually a good candidate. And in Ohio, he's going to win. Look at Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is not a great candidate. He's not. Admittedly, Herschel Walker has a lot of weaknesses, but he's working to turn those weaknesses into strengths. He got attacked by Democrats for uh, the spousal abuse issue and the the trying to kill his wife or what have you. Uh, And he's now come out and said this was a mental health issue. Uh, They're attacking him for his mental health. He and his ex-wife collaborated together on an interview to talk about this, to raise awareness about mental health. He's dealt with those issues, and he's doing a good job of trying to pivot on that mental health issue and raise mental health awareness as a concern in a way that the Democrats are going to have a hard time pushing back. Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, he's a clunker of a candidate, and I think we should acknowledge Dr. Oz is not a great candidate. Um, and he would only he's only there because Sean Hannity and Melania Trump convinced Donald Trump to endorse him. And so Trump did endorse him, and he may cost us a seat we already have, Pat Toomey, the retiring senator. But this whole idea that McConnell is the bad guy here because he's telling people that there's a 50-50 chance or less for Republicans to control the Senate, do you really truly believe McConnell wants to stay minority leader? McConnell no, no more wants to be a minority leader to Chuck Schumer then Chuck Schumer wants to be a minority leader to Mitch McConnell. What's so baffling to me is that the people who are attacking McConnell on this are praising McCarthy, that, oh, McCarthy is some sort of great stalwart for the Republican Party and conservatives. No, he's not. Remember, Kevin McCarthy had Liz Cheney's back until Donald Trump criticized him. Then he threw her under the bus. Kevin McCarthy is no more for you and your principles than the wind is. The moment the wind shifts, Kevin McCarthy will shift as well, and you too will one day go under the bus. It's absolutely bizarre. Um, it's just just insane to me 
that these sorts of things are happening and that we are here litigating all of these things. It's just, uh, you know what? The Republican Party will be fine and the Republicans may take the Senate because keep in mind as well what's going on right now. We're in August into Labor Day and polling for the Republicans kind of sucks anyway. This too will pass and the GOP is going to rebound. Why? Because it remains the economy is the problem. The Democrats can't fix it. They can only make it worse. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. A buddy of mine just sent me this audio. Let me see if I can get this fired up and rerouted for you guys to play because this is kind of, I, 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 I'm, Jennifer Granholm is one of the smuggest people in this administration. She is... Like, if there ever was a Karen parade, she would be the marshal of the parade. Honestly, this invasion by Russia is, uh, an, uh, is such an example of why countries need to move away from the volatility of fuels from countries who do not have our interests and from the volatility of fossil fuels. If we want to be energy secure and energy independent, that means we've got to produce our own energy. My uh, counterpart uh, in Ireland, the minister there, energy minister there, has said that no one has ever weaponized access to the sun. No one has ever weaponized the wind. Perhaps a move to clean energy will be the greatest peace plan the world has ever known. Oh, good Lord. They actually believe this crap. They actually believe that. Uh, she's so smug. It's just annoyingly smug. How do I mean the Republicans should turn her into the face of what's wrong with the Biden administration? I'm driving on sunshine, you pores. Why don't you pores go out and get your battery powered cars? No one's ever weaponized the sun against us. We were energy independent, you idiot. We were energy independent when Donald Trump was president. We were producing more oil than anywhere else. We were energy independent until you idiots came into power and sabotaged the whole thing. We were not dependent on nations that don't share our interests. We were dependent on ourselves. And now you want us to be dependent on China for the technology for solar panels and windmills. You're not making the windmills and the solar panels here. You're not. You know, Joe Manchin has come out and openly criticized now that he's got it passed the $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles and his plan that he's not a fan of it. Listen to Manchin. He was at the White House. Supply chain. I never knew how dependent we were on other other people. Ah, that that audio is too 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 low. I, I'm I and I can't boost it without garbling, and I'm sorry. Uh, but he says he he's not a fan of it. Uh, he he's not a he's not a fan, and he he doesn't think that it's good. And he pointed out that all these companies are now raising the prices of their cars equal to the price of the tax credit, which he knew would happen. Um, it just it's it's bizarre to me that the Democratic Party has bought into this sort of garbage. And yet they have. It is a cult-like response to energy. It is a cult-like response to the environmental movement. The environmental movement and the progressives, the wokes, have hijacked the Democratic Party at this point. And they can't move forward without these people being shackled to them. And these people being shackled to them are not a good... 
Not a good thing for them, but it's great for us because so many people really, really don't like them. Now, I want to play for you this audio. This is from Mark Penn, Hillary Clinton's pollster. Listen to this. Well, I think Democrats have two issues here. One, they have a president that people don't like, and that's a real problem. And and the president is at 38%. And now, they also have a too far to the left problem, in which the party is seen as too far to the left uh, and out of touch. Now, luckily, the Republicans are seen as even less likable overall, which is why I analyzed there's 12% of the electorate who doesn't like President Biden, but is still voting Democratic so far in the midterm race. And that group is saying, I'm not so sure I like Biden. I definitely don't approve of his job. I'm sticking with the Democratic Party, and I really don't like the Republicans. So both parties have a bit of this. But that's the polling right now at this moment. I can't emphasize enough. I won't go back through it. I actually got a complaint from Melissa yesterday. So will you please stop explaining this polling melts? We get it. You've, you've said it enough. I don't know that everyone does, but I will move on from it. But I do just want to point out that this is the legitimate phenomenon we are seeing around the country right now where the polling tends to bounce towards the Democrats at this time of year. Uh, and we should expect that to happen, and we shouldn't expect it to change for the next month. But it'll change because it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I am awaiting a guest. We've had some technical issues with our live stream and the Internet in the office. Thankfully, it hasn't taken us off the satellite for all of our affiliates, but um, have a guest who is attempting to navigate our phone system issues right now. Um, Jim will let me know when he gets here. I've been talking about the ESG stuff and BlackRock. And Will, that you? It's me. Hey, well, I'm glad. I I was just talking about you. Um, It's Eric. We're we're on air together. The the gremlins got into our phone system and our internet at the office, and so uh, you've been trying to call, and nobody could answer the phones. Yes, sir. The the Chinese uh, Communist Party must have heard about our uh, our exposure of their entanglement with BlackRock. Yeah, I was about to say, it could be BlackRock that took care of it. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, folks, uh, so this is Will Hill. And, and Will, if you wouldn't mind, um, tell people uh, what you're doing these days because, man, that ad campaign that you guys are running is great. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, my name is Will Hill. I'm the executive director of Consumers Research. We're the nation's oldest consumer protection organization. But more recently, uh, we've been going after BlackRock and Larry Fink. We've been running a multi-million dollar uh, ad campaign to educate consumers about how their interests, and when I say interests, I mean the cost of gasoline, the cost of groceries, the cost of everything, is being undermined by activities of BlackRock and, and Larry Fink. And they're using your pension dollars, your state pension dollars, your local pension dollars, and unfortunately even federal pension dollars, to do it. And so we launched this campaign to help educate consumers so that they can take action and help protect themselves and, and let their representatives know that they care about this issue. So, you know, first of all, I was talking to a guy the other day who will remain nameless who said uh, that it is his impression because he's in these circles within private equity and hedge funds that when you go after them by name and make those individuals uh, famous, not just BlackRock, but Larry Fink himself, that that's when things really change and that nobody's been doing it. And then here you guys came along and start doing this. 
And it, it, you, I don't know that people really understand the extent to which BlackRock has been pushing the environmental social uh, governance criteria to really make companies go woke. Absolutely. They are the biggest player, not just because they are the largest investment management firm in the world. They manage until they lost a trillion of it. They manage $10, $10 trillion of uh, American investment dollars, but also because Larry Fink specifically has been you know, out and the most vocal uh, on this issue. And he's been pushing uh, corporate America, attacking CEOs who don't get on board with his radical left wing agenda. And so just to explain maybe some of the mechanics of how this works, when your pension fund, you know, in your states, uh, I think you guys are in Georgia, so let's say Georgia pension fund, mm-hmm. you know, the, they have an investment board, but they don't manage the money. They, they farm that out. And one of the big players in that, the biggest is, is BlackRock. So they hand money over to BlackRock. BlackRock goes and buys a broad swath of shares of, you know, companies we've all heard of, you know, Disney, Exxon, uh, Nike, all these companies, right? And then they hold those shares as a fiduciary for the pensioners, right? It's not their money. It's, it's the pensioners' money. But what Larry has been doing, what BlackRock has been doing, is say, listen, while we've got these shares, we should start injecting our personal politics into how these companies are run. So because they have so much assets under management, again, not their money, your money, they go to these companies, they say, listen, we're, you know, we're one of your largest shareholders, if not your largest shareholder, and we don't like what you're doing on this issue. We want you to either uh, change your operations to, to aim for net zero, you know, carbon, carbon uh, neutral targets, or we want you to speak out on, on you know, radical left-wing social policies, or we want to, you know, Larry Fink has been open about trying to increase board diversity, which he defines as, you know, race and, and gender uh, bean counting. Um, and, and so they are using the assets that they have been given as a fiduciary to push their personal politics. And that's, that's sort of what we're ringing the alarm out, because you're, you're right. You don't get anywhere just by saying this is bad. You need to make someone the poster child for it. And luckily, Larry Fink has made himself the poster child for it. We're just educating the public about what he has said he is doing. You know, I I run in occasionally to millionaire, multimillionaires and billionaires. They live in their own world. And I, I'm always surprised by how tone deaf they can sometimes be where they, they say things that I'm thinking, have you ever like, have you ever bagged groceries in your life or something like that? And some of the things I hear Larry Fink say about the stuff he wants to do, it translates in my mind to, oh, he, he doesn't understand how the middle class actually works and doesn't really care about the middle class. It's, it's been striking to me the tone deafness of some of his statements. Absolutely. In fact, I'll give you a concrete example of that. Uh, he was at a deal book interview. That's a New York Times uh, series. And someone, the, the host asked him, you know, what BlackRock was doing on the issue of board diversity, meaning, you know, bean counting number of different, you know, uh, racial and gender makeup on boards. And he said, listen, at BlackRock, we believe behaviors need to change and behaviors won't change until they're forced to change. And so at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. So this guy who's never been elected, never faced the electorate. Okay. He's never had a vote in his life. Okay. And he manages public money, money that's been entrusted to him on a fiduciary duty thinks he can go out and dictate to corporate America how many, you know, people of color or, you know, uh, people of different sexual orientations or women need to be on their boards. And this is the attitude he has on everything. He sends out an annual letter to CEOs telling them every year in January what he thinks their objective should be for the next 12 months. It's really stunning the amount of 
um, uh, 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 brazen arrogance this this man has, and to the extent that you know, famed investor Charlie Munger said uh, this guy's acting like a new emperor. Yeah, you know, I, so Charlie Munger is one of those people who I tend to pay attention to, whether he's talking about crypto or, or corporations. And I, I've kind of been surprised at him in large part because, you know, he, he and Warren Buffett and what they do with Berkshire Hathaway, they they tend to invest in companies where they think that there's great management at those companies and they leave those companies along and alone. And here comes Larry Fink who invests in companies on behalf of not himself, but other people through their pensions and then kind of demands that he can dictate the operations of those companies, which kind of, I mean, if Larry Fink is wrong, he's going to ruin a whole bunch of companies. Absolutely. And he already has. So let me, let me give a concrete example of that. Last year, BlackRock helped elect three radical environmentalists to the board of ExxonMobil, our largest uh, you know, oil and gas producer here in the United States. And the stated goal of these board members is to get that company out of oil and gas recovery business. That's their core business. And more importantly, that's what consumers rely on Exxon to do. We need them to be in that core business so we can get to work, so we can heat our homes. Okay. Five months later, in October, the Wall Street Journal was reporting that because of the election of these new board members, Exxon Board was already considering divesting itself of two of its newest, largest projects, one in Mozambique, one in Vietnam, representing over $30 billion of American investment and know-how that would have to go onto the foreign market and get bought up by an, you know, another company, probably something like PetroChina or Saudi Aramco. Okay, That's oil and gas that could be coming home here to the United States, lowering our gas prices. But because of the activities of, of BlackRock and Larry Fink, that's that's oil and gas that may go to a foreign competitor and and lower their gas prices instead. So it really this it, it sounds like a very complicated issue. You know, your listeners go, "Why this is Wall Street?" You know, all these big titans are playing. How does this affect me? There is a direct link between Larry Fink's activities and the price they pay at the pump and the price they pay at the grocery store. Now, when you came on, you mentioned um, you mentioned China and, and BlackRock. And one of my concerns in all of this is that a lot of these guys. They're not really, they don't view themselves as American patriots. They view themselves as citizens of the world, and they're making a bet that, well, China's the next big thing. I better get in good with the Chinese. And it just seems to me that we're on the verge of some of these billionaire private equity guys deciding they need to do what they can to get in good with China, even at our expense. And I worry about BlackRock in that. Absolutely. And you, you should, you have right to be worried because here's the thing. BlackRock and Larry Fink are delivering a one-two punch to consumers. I just described punch number one. You know, they're using ES the cover of ESG. They're, they're, you know, micromanaging corporations, getting them out of their core businesses, raising prices for consumers. Here in the United States, they do that to cozy up to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party in return for political favors. It's been rumored, for example, that Larry Fink very much wants to be Treasury Secretary. It's the same story in China. But because it's the Chinese Communist Party they're sucking up to, it's a completely different set of actions that they take. They don't push any of this ESG nonsense over there. Instead, they help funnel billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of American investment dollars into mainland Chinese, sometimes CCP-owned businesses. And in return, they, have, they get quid pro quo favors. For example, BlackRock has been given the right to run the only wholly foreign-owned mutual fund in China. Ironically, they were more recently given the right to start managing pension assets in certain regions of China, which is ironic given the way they're misusing them here in the United States. So absolutely, they are they are undermining our national security and in doing so, cozying up to the Chinese Communist Party. So they're cozying up to the pro radical progressive wing of the Democratic Party here and cozying up to the Chinese Communist overseas. 
gosh, that is something. So, okay, if you're an average consumer, you're listening to, to you and me talk right now, what, what would you recommend people do? I highly recommend that, first of all, they need to visit aboutblackrock.com, get educated on the issues, and then I recommend they come and talk to their elected representatives, their legislators, their AGs, their treasurers, their governors, because this is an issue that those folks need to know that they care about. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about inflation and, and CPI costs. Um, this is one of the main drivers of that. And we're starting to see, you know, 19 AGs just banded it together uh, last week to, to go after uh, BlackRock and others. Um, we're starting to see, you know, people like Treasurer Moore in West Virginia take action. But that needs to be encouraged and, and uh, rewarded. And so I highly recommend people let, let their elected representatives know that they care about what BlackRock is doing, and especially it pertains to them using their own state's pension funds against their interests. I mean, that's the truly ridiculous part of this is that a large part of the money that BlackRock and Larry Fink uses belongs to us directly as, as, mm-hmm. uh, as state pensioners. Well, so aboutblackrock.com is the website. Aboutblackrock.com. Good. Well, listen, I I am glad that you guys are – you know, I've been talking about this for at least a month now. Uh, And then when Alec came to Atlanta, um, just a friend of mine put a bug in my ear and said, you really need to double down on this and uh, told me about what the state treasurers were doing. And then all of a sudden I see the New York Times attacking it. I was like, yes, I'm I'm glad I've been talking about this and bringing people up to speed even before that happened. And now to see your ad the other day, I actually, uh, a mutual friend of ours, I was already retweeting it. And a friend of mine who, you know, sent it to me and said, hey, have you seen this? Like, I've already retweeted it. I'm so glad you guys are doing this and calling them out by name. So thank you and very I much love, for what you're I doing. I loved your retweet, by the way. BlackRock, Delinda S. Indeed. BlackRock needs to go. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So, Will Hill, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Jim, you've got to disconnect the line here since I can't with all, all, all the phone stuff we're having issues with. But Will is uh, he is the executive director of Consumers Research. Consumersresearch.org is the website. Uh, but really, the site you need to go to is aboutblackrock.com about blackrock blackrock.com they blackrock is really leading all of these other groups on esg and undermining us and you just heard that concrete example of exxon and uh considering divesting from brand new uh, oil facilities overseas and who do you think would buy those china blackrock is destabilizing us and making us even more dependent on china about blackrock.com now speaking of all the destabilization in the economy if you're thinking of using precious metals in your portfolio consider reaching out to my friends at gold co you don't have a lot of options uh, when things go crazy in the market but physical gold and silver might be a good fit for you their phone number is 855-904-5933 you get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've been helping thousands of Americans protect their retirement from the ebbs and flows of inflation, stock market crashes. They want to be able to help you. Their phone number is 855-904-5933. Or if you text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, 
to 33777. I will send you Gold Coast toll-free number. Call them and tell them I sent you. See if they're a good fit for you. Again, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Um, TikTok's in-app browser includes code that can monitor your keystrokes according to several researchers who enter, who they examined Instagram and Facebook Messenger and the like, and they didn't find that code, but in TikTok, they are. Now, the DNC has brought itself to TikTok. I've been warning you guys about TikTok. So many of your kids are on it. They are getting reprogrammed. You don't even realize it, the content that's on TikTok. Uh, so many kids are using it as a search engine. It's just not good. It's not healthy. And now it looks like they could be tracking passwords that you type in, user accounts and things like that. And you know where all this stuff funnels? China. I don't know that we're serious about China. I just don't know that we really are. And I think we need to be serious about China in ways we as a nation aren't. This goes back to my conversation with Will Hild about uh, Larry Fink and BlackRock that whether they're intentional or not in their their business and dealings with China, I do think there is behind the scenes this, whether it's conscious or not, there is certainly a belief that China's on the rise. And because China's on the rise, all these companies want to get in good with China, even if it undermines the United States. And I think that uh, we as a people need to actually uh, be vigilant against those individuals and businesses that would advance Chinese interests against our own, particularly as they're Americans. Even Apple, which has invested so much infrastructure in China to build iPhones and Macs and iPads, is looking at Vietnam, India, and other places in Southeast Asia to begin manufacturing those facilities because uh, they themselves recognize that um, – being in China long-term is destabilizing to Apple. It's destabilizing to us. It's destabilizing to their supply chain. And they're making efforts to get out of China in ways that they can. But so many others are doubling down in their investment. China. Look at Disney. Look at Nike. And I think they undermine our national security interests when they do that. Uh, and you could know China, of course, is having economic trouble right now. We are beginning to. Uh, Wolf Street has this inventory and supply of previously owned homes of all types. Single family houses, condos, co-ops, and townhouses surged. And sales plunged amid sky-high prices that have been impossible by 5% plus holy moly mortgage rates. So the red-hot housing market has turned into a housing recession, as the National Association of Realtors called it today, after the National Association of Home Builders said it on Monday. Sales plunged 5.9% in July from June, the sixth month in a row of month-over-month -month declines, and by 20% from a year ago, the 12th month in a row of year-over-year -year declines based on the seasonally adjusted annual rate of sales. Sales of single-family homes plunged 19% year-over-year, and sales of condos and co-ops plunged by 30%. You know, I see this. I tell you guys all the time. I monitor up along Lake Burton, up in North Georgia, in the mountains, and along uh, the beach in Hilton Head and Sea Pines, houses for sale. And I'm seeing more and more come up for sale.
and they're not selling. Uh, normally, a house comes up right on Lake Burton up in northeast Georgia or in Sea Pines right on the beach, and they're gone. I mean, a week later, they're gone. I've seen some now that have been sitting out there for a month or longer now. Uh, one of them had a pending sale. The sale's gone, collapsed, and it's back on the market regular. And it's just something is clearly happening in the housing market right now. Maybe if I can make the big bucks in radio coming up, then I can actually um, get one of these houses that no one else is in a position to buy now. Uh, <laughs> my luck in the economic downturn. I don't know. But something's clearly happening. The amount of houses I'm seeing come for sale that used to be snapped up really quick, and now they're not. And part of it, of course, is we don't have those interest rates that we had. That The whole thing has collapsed um and it's collapsed in large part because the federal reserve has skyrocketed from basically zero percent to five percent